0: You Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We'll be in a couple of scriptures this morning. As I mentioned last week, I want to do my best to equip you and encourage you during this tumultuous time of politics that we find ourselves in right now. But as it says in scripture, this too shall pass. <laughs> We'll go on uh, with life, but this is very important in the scope of American history, uh, impact on the world, and the privilege that I have of leading a diverse church. We are not only diverse racially, and we praise God for that. We are diverse denominationally, and we praise God for that. We are diverse generationally, and we praise God for that. We are diverse politically, and we also praise God. For that, And so last week, I spent time talking about the sovereignty of God in politics. So today, if your mind and your heart is ready, are ready, let's talk about the sovereignty or rather the providence of God in politics. Last week, the sovereignty of God. Today, let's talk about the providence of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to hear from you. Lord, I thank you for your word because in your word we find your will. We find your way. We find your heart. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given to each one of your children because he is the one who leads us into all truth. And we are the priesthood of the believers, and we don't necessarily need anyone to mediate for us or even to teach us who you are for you give us an anointing that can teach us things that no man can teach us so lord forgive us for when we deny you the opportunity to teach us who you are to teach us your word to teach us your way forgive us when we don't take the time to study as the berean saints did forgive us when we don't take the time to meditate on your precepts as the psalmist encouraged us forgive us oh god But thank you, Lord, for giving us teachers in the body of Christ with the gift of teaching um, who can herald your word, who can break it down. And even that, once again, it comes from your spirit. So, Lord, would you do that this morning? Would you teach us your ways so that we may honor you and glorify you with how we live? Thank you, Lord. Can't wait to see how you're going to reveal yourself. We love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Last week, the sovereignty of God in politics. Today, the providence of God in politics. Sovereignty means that God rules over all things. Sovereignty means that God rules and God reigns over all things. There is no place that God does not reign. There is no realm that he does not have complete authority. He reigns and he rules over all things and we talked about that last week but today we will learn that providence means that God works in all things. So whereas God reigns over all things in his sovereignty, he works in all things by way of his providence. So this means that the great God, the awesome God that we just sang about, the one that we just worship, he is according to theologians transcendent that means he is other than that means that he cannot fully be described explained comprehended ascertained absorbed by humans like us because we're fallen. we're exhaustible he is inexhaustible and so he is transcendent he sits above any and everything that man can ever comprehend or even try to grasp Yet the God who is transcendent has chosen to make himself imminent. In other words, he has come near to us. And thank God he has come to us and we'll celebrate this in December, but we don't have to wait for Christmas to celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God became man so that he could redeem man back to God. That's why his name, the imminent one, is Emmanuel God with us. So the transcendent God uh, became imminent and he was intentional. And because of providence, he is greatly involved in all of the details of our lives. He is intricately involved. Providence has been described as the hand of God in the glove of history, the hand of God in the glove of history. Providence is when God works in the events of life on macro and micro levels to lead everything and everyone to an end that ultimately brings glory to himself. He works in everything so that ultimately he may be glorified in everything. So today I'm going to give you three biblical truths about God's providence, and I pray that it encourages you, that as we look up. To the hills from whence cometh our help, our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I pray that we would look up today and get a fresh vision of God because so often we're busy looking at ourselves, looking at our circumstances, looking at what's going on in the world, watching CNN, watching MSNBC, watching Fox, and we become inundated and we can get sorrowful and we can get dejected. But I want us today to get a fresh view of God because if we can get a fresh view and a glimpse of who he is, it can give us encouragement as we walk through the valley of the shadow of politics. So the first thing we'll see today is that providence is when God works in all things, even bad things, for his glory, and listen to this, and eventually for our good. That's amazing. There's an old saying that, our God is the God who can take lemons and make some show sure enough sweet lemonade out of it. He can work in anything, even bad things, for His glory and eventually for our good. That's where Romans eight twenty eight comes in, where Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, "And we know, we know, we got to know some things. We know that some things, uh, every now and then, some things. No, no, no. We know that all things." Work together for good to those who love God. Anybody love God in the house today? Anybody love God? Amen, amen, amen. So because you love him, there's a calling on your life. And so he goes on to say, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So God has gone on record as saying that all things are going to work together for good. Now, sometimes when I try to play God, I know no one else ever tries to do that, but I get stressed out and anxious when I try to work things together, and I quickly find out that I don't have omnipotent ability to to make it all come together, and and I try to use my limited resources, and I, I try to do what I can, but I, oh, I just can't handle trying to play God. So then I step back and I let God be God because God is the one who's going to make all things work together for good. He is the God behind the scenes, pulling the strings, making it all work out. He's working with a heavenly blender, if you will. You know what a blender is. Before blenders came, mama had to sit up in the kitchen and, you know, work that thing in that bowl, you know. She would take, because to bake a cake, you need a bunch of different ingredients, right? So my cake bakers helped me out. You need a little bit of sugar. You need some butter. You need some flour. What else you need? Eggs. eggs. Gotta have eggs, right? What else you need for making a cake? What do you say, Paul? That's cheating, man. Cake mix. Cinnamon. Nutmeg. All that good stuff, right? But it's no good. Unless it's all What? it together, mixed together, worked together. And the working together, sometimes the butter can say, oh, that whisk hurts or that blender hurts or, or that sugar can say, we like staying together. Why are you spreading us out all over this whole situation? Why are we, uh, I'm, I'm going to make up a preacher word, why are we coagulating throughout the whole thing here? But sometimes in order for, things to work together, you know, it's got to be stirred up a little bit, and if I can trust God as the potter, I can surely trust him as the baker of my life, and and he can get this thing together. I may not see it now. It may not be going the way I want it to go, but if I believe that he is the God of all providence, he's going to work it together for his glory and for my good. Oh, Travis Green were here this morning. I think he's singing. All things are working for my good. Yeah, uh, he's intentional. Oh, I sound pretty good, didn't I? Oh! Y'all ain't right. Y'all ain't right. <laughs> this harvest festing got y'all all hyped up. But all things, yeah. all things. Yeah. So that means the painful things the hurtful things, the things that were beyond your control when you grew up, the things that happened to you, the things that harmed you. All means all, and that's all all means. And when Paul wrote this, like any preacher, like any Christian, you're going to be tested on what you affirm So when we say amen, we're going to be tested on whether we really believe it is so or it is true, which is what amen means. And so, Paul, you wrote that all things work together for good. Do you really believe that? Because, you know, the Romans said to Paul, Paul, if you keep on preaching that word, we're going to throw you in prison. And Paul said, that's all right. It'll just give me an opportunity to witness to the guards because all things work together. Well, Paul, since you don't mind going to prison, we're going to kill you. That's all right, man, because to die is gain. All things work together. Okay, Paul, you don't mind going to prison, you don't mind dying, then we're just going to let you live then. Paul would say, oh, you really made a mistake because to live is Christ. Because all things work together for good. Oh, you don't mind going to prison, you don't mind dying, you don't mind living. We're just going to make you suffer. Somebody pull out the whip and somebody start beating this man right now. And Paul would say, uh, it's okay. Uh, I reckon that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to me. So the more you whip me here, the more crowns I'm going to get in glory because all things work together for good. It's almost like dropping a cat from this balcony right here. If you drop a cat from this balcony, it is going to land on its feet by virtue of how God created it. And because of who we are in Christ, resurrection power is in us. No matter what we go through, we're always going to land on our feet as God's people. And our heads should be held high because we have God on our side. My God. We see this working in the life of Joseph as far as all things, even bad things working. Because his brothers sold him into slavery. When he was 17 years old, and the Bible says in Genesis 45 verse 5, Where Joseph said, but now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, he's talking to his brothers, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. You see, in the midst of that trial, he had to reconcile some things with God. No one likes being sold into slavery, yet alone being sold by their own family members. But while he was going through, the Bible says that God was with Joseph and God was with Joseph. So the transcendent was very imminent. God was with Joseph. And Joseph learned some things about God when he was in jail that he could not have learned about God on the mountaintop. And so he learned that although, my brothers, you sold me, the God who's in all control because he is sovereign, the God who is present because he's provident, he's the one who ultimately sent me. You sold me, but he sent me. Genesis 45, 7 through 8 says, And God sent me before you, Joseph says, to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Why? Because there was a famine in the land. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So, He understood that God was working in this situation. He could have wasted his life blaming what was done to him. He could have talked about how his father and his mother let this happen and and how they didn't come search for him and, and all of this. But he said, wait a minute, my times are not in the hands of men. My times are in the hands of God. And anything that man does to me, God allows men to do to me. And I'm going to trust that God is good and that God has a plan in spite of the pain. So he says in Genesis 50 verse 20, he says to his brothers, he says, but as for you, you meant evil against me now. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day. In other words, he's working it out. God worked this out as you see to this day to save many people alive so with providence our steps are ordered even when things get out of order when you're in there complaining about the traffic on 65 maybe god worked that thing out so you weren't in the accident that happened on highway 65 oh my providence god can still hit a bullseye with a crooked stick With providence, God will get us where he wants us, even if we take the scenic route. I'm going to say that one more time. He's going to get you where he wants you for his glory, even if you decide to take the scenic route. That's called his permissive will. You know, God has a good and perfect and pleasing will, but we don't always like to take plan A. We usually like to go through door B, C, D, F, and God is a good God. He'll never leave us. He won't forsake us. Even when we may leave him and forsake him, his love is unconditional, and he has a plan. and He's going to get us to where he wants us, even if we take the scenic route. Secondly, I want you to see that providence is when God works to provide a way when there seems to be no Way. I said that he's involved in the affairs of men. As the old folks like to say, God sits high, but he what? Looks low. He cares about the hairs that are on our head, and we know for some of us that's not a hard count for God, but God does care <laughs> about everything that we go through, and he has a way of making a way out of no way. He'll allow us to hit a dead end in life, which will force us to look up and say, help, Lord. And God will come in and save the day. Now, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Providence and God's timing. It's amazing how it all works together. You see, God provided a ram for Abraham right when he was about to kill his son, Isaac, the son of promise. It was a test. And God interrupted the test when he saw that his student had passed. And he didn't need to shed the blood of Isaac, but there would be a sacrifice that day. And there was a ram, the Bible says, caught by its horns in a thicket. And he went and took the ram and sacrificed the ram in the place of his son Isaac. And that's where the name Jehovah Jireh comes from. The Lord who provides. He provided on time that day. And I know if we pass the microphone Everyone in this place could talk about how God is a provider and he provides right on time. God provided a way through the Red Sea for Israel. God provided deliverance for the Jews in the book of Esther. In the book of Esther, you see the fingerprints of God all over the book, even though the name of God is not mentioned one time in the book of Esther. Think about that now the name of God is not found in the book, but his fingerprints, his providence, his ability to work in all things is very, very obvious. Now, I love this book because although the, the name of God is not found, his presence is found. And you, you see his, his providence working when Vashti says look I'm not going in there to the king he didn't got smashed and uh, he want me come in wearing my crown and he wants to parade me in front of his guests Vashti said I ain't going and so they ended up having a beauty pageant to get another queen and that queen ended up being Esther who did not reveal her ancestry that she was Jewish But God was going to use that, again, as providence, because the people of God had been uh, put into slavery. They were under the Babylonians. Now they're under the Persians when Esther is written. And throughout that book, you see God working stuff out for the Jewish people. So much so that when Haman tried to kill all of the Jews, providence in the book of Esther had it worked out that on the night when the king could not sleep. He said, somebody bring me the chronicles so somebody can read them to me and put me to sleep. But as the chronicles are being read, he hears about a Jew named Mordecai who saved his life from a plot that was trying to kill the king. So the king said, who uh, has anything been done for this man who saved the king's life? And they were like, no. They were like, okay, somebody call him and bring him in. Well, the time in which the king finds out that the Jew Mordecai saved his life is when Haman comes in to talk about killing the Jews. And then the king finds out that his wife happens to be a Jew. Oh, his hand is all over this book here. And providence is this, when somebody digs a ditch for you because they're evil, the scripture says those who dig a ditch for you are going to fall in the ditch that they have dug. Providence. And so Haman builds these gallows to hang Mordecai from, and he ends up being hung from them himself. Providence. God provided his son Jesus to die for our sins. We were in a dead end. We were about to be exterminated, if you will, from the payment of sin, which is death. But God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Because good works couldn't make us right with God. Going to the tabernacle couldn't make us right with God. Offering sacrifices couldn't make us right with God. We were on our way to hell in a handbasket. But the Lord made a way out of no way. When Jesus came and he died and he rose from the grave, that's the good news. But watch this, church. God also provides a way for us to escape from every form of temptation. His providence, he provides. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen that no temptation has overtaken us that isn't common to man but God is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted above what we can bear, but he will with the temptation make a means of escape that we might be able to bear up under. So whenever we're going through something, there's always a way out because he's a provider like that. God will not only provide a way out of temptation to show his attention to the details of our lives, but God will provide a closed door. God will provide an open door. God will provide a quote unquote chance meeting, a chance email, a chance bump into in Kroger. And He will provide just what you need when you need it most. He'll even provide mold in the Cool Springs YMCA to get you out of Franklin and move you into Nashville Brentwood. We don't think of Him providing that way, but He does. He's ordering the affairs of our lives without circumventing our will. It's amazing how he does that. But then thirdly and finally, providence is when God works to accomplish his divine purposes in spite of man's choices. Okay, here comes the politics. Providence is when God works to accomplish his divine purposes in spite of man's choices. During the days of the judges, the Bible said everyone did that which was right in their own eyes. It was anarchy. And so the judges were ruling. And as long as the judges had their eyes on God, then the people of God did well. Then when the judges passed away, the people's faith and commitment to God passed away as well. And so there was this cyclical effect of up and down and down and up like a roller coaster with God. And God would raise up judges, and they would lead for a period. And one of those judges was Samson. And Samson, he was a Nazarite, at least he was supposed to be. But he had this thing. He loved to live on the wild side. He was supposed to live a consecrated life, but he loved to live on the wild side. And one day he saw this Philistine girl and said, Pops, I got to have her. And Mom and Dad said, Why can't you find one of these good church girls up in here? Why you got a fool with one of these worldly girls? Well, pop, the church girls, I don't know, but these worldly girls got it going on. And so, mom and dad yielded to their son—a bad decision. But watch this, Judges 14:4. 4. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines, for at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So God was going to redeem a mistake. So God was going to work in the midst of mess. God was going to redeem for his purposes a bad decision by Samson and a bad decision by Samson's parents. God says, I'll use this for my glory. Now, let's not just go out and say I'm going to make a bad decision (laughs) so I can see God redeeming. No, no, don't, don't, don't do that. (laughs) First Kings chapter 12, verse 15, it says, so the king, which is Rehoboam, Solomon's son, the scripture says, so the king did not listen to the people for the turn of events was from who? The Lord. That he might fulfill his word, which the Lord had spoken by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So, God was using a bad decision by Rehoboam. Rehoboam didn't want to listen to the wisdom of the older men and the older council. He listened to the younger men. He wanted to work Israel harder, which would split the nation. And so, God used that decision for his glory, that turn of events. So, no matter what we see being played out on the stage of politics today, No matter what choices men make, women don't make, God is going to use it all for his glory. And we need to sit back and take a chill pill. I said we just need to chill a little bit. We're not the one controlling the strings. He is controlling the strings. It's his hand in the glove of history that is going to work this thing out for his glory and ultimately for our good. But somewhere I read that this earth ain't our home anyway, you know. Somewhere I read that in here. And before Jesus comes back, it makes everything better. Things are going to get worse. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. It may be time for some birth pains. I don't know. But one thing I do know that my Redeemer lives and I'll see him standing on the earth in the latter day. Oh, he's in control. Now, young people, y'all are in here today. I got to tell you a story. When I was your age, I went to my first amusement park, and I couldn't wait to get to the amusement park to eat cotton candy and run around and get on all the rides. And there was this one ride I couldn't wait to get on. It was the Model T car. And man, you know, I would see my dad drive. I see my mom drive. And I wanted to drive. And when you go to the amusement park, you can get into one of those Model T's and drive it all over that area. And man, you think you're doing something because it got a little gas pedal. It got a brake. You think you're doing something. You think you're driving. And you are driving. But not technically. Because underneath the Model T, is a guide rail. And no matter where you try to go, some kid wanna try to jump off the track and go somewhere else, but you can't jump over the guide rail. No matter what you do, that guide rail is gonna take you all the way to the end of the ride. You may wanna go this way, but the guide rail ain't gonna let you. So you're gonna end up where the people who designed the ride wanted you to be when you first got in the ride. I'm here to let you know you think you driving but you really ain't driving. You think you're hitting the gas and hitting the brake and trying to jump the track, but we ain't talking about the guide rail. We're talking about the guard rail. He going to get you where he wants you to go. You think you're in control of your life? No, he's in control of your life. He's the God of providence, so it's best just to work with him and follow the road map called the scripture and walk in his will. John 19, verse 12, it says, From then on, Pilate sought to release him, speaking of Jesus. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. John 19, verse 15, But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. If that's not politics, I don't know what is. The people of God who have been called out to be his unique people, monotheistic, worshiping one God with a moral code called the Ten Commandments. And these are a unique people, circumcision as a sign of the covenant with Abraham, Yet in the midst of this moment where they did not want to support Christ Jesus, they jumped on a political bandwagon and said that they have no king but Caesar. And they handed over the king of the Jews, Jesus Christ, to be crucified. So the question is, did politics get Jesus crucified? Did politics get him crucified? The answer is yes and no. (laughs) Yes and no. Politics was involved, but ultimately Jesus died because of God's providence. Acts chapter 4, verses 27 through 28, the scripture reads, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, With the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined beforehand to be done. I can't understand it all. I can't understand how it works. Man is going to be political, but God is going to be providential. And so I have to trust him that nothing is going to happen without his permission. There are no mistakes with God. He will somehow use man's will without, again, circumventing man's will in order to see his will accomplished. It is a mystery. And Jesus went on to say, nobody's going to take my life from me anyway. I'm going to lay it down. And when I lay it down, I have authority to do what? Take it back up again. So Jesus is in control even when things seem to be out of control. And the same is true for your life and my life. When things seem like they are out of control, God is still in control. And he can speak cosmos out of chaos. He can speak order out of disorder. But sometimes, like we sang today, through the storm, he is what? Lord. Because anybody can worship when the sun is shining like today. God want to know in the words of new edition, can you stay in the rain? Somebody got that. Somebody got that. In conclusion, before trunk or treat, pastor, work it to a close. Sovereignty means that God rules over all things. And providence means that God works in all things. Therefore, in regard to politics or anything else, God is in control. Providence is when God works in all things, even bad things, for his glory, and eventually for our good. God works to provide a way when there seems to be no way. And God works to accomplish his divine purposes in spite of man's choices. That's my God. That's my king. And Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 17, he said, My father has been working. And so am I. He equated himself with God because he talked about God on such intimate and familiar terms. And we know that God, the father, Yahweh, has inexhaustible authority, that he is God. And Jesus says, just as he is working, I am working too. He equated himself as the I am. And we know, according to the book of John, he is the I am because the I am is not only made of one person. It's made of three equal persons, father, son, and Holy Spirit. What's the point? Jesus is working. He's working. There will never be a time where he is not working. He won't fall asleep behind the wheel because the God we serve neither sleeps nor slumbers. His attention, he gives us his full attention and he is in control. So when you go to the poles and when you pull that lever, you punch that thing, just recognize that God is at work. No matter what you may do or what man may do, he is at work. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to rest. Just like the disciples should have rested when they were in the storm on the Sea of Galilee, but they panicked. And they thought that boat was going to sink even though you were in it with them and you told them we're going to the other side. They panicked. Lord, forgive us for panicking. Forgive us, Lord, for being ruled by what we see as opposed to Persevering because we see you, the invisible God. Forgive us for being so natural, so carnal, so fleshly at times. Forgive us for being argumentative. Forgive us, Lord, for succumbing to the fear mongering. And forgive us, Lord, for jumping into classism and divisiveness that we see in the world. Forgive us, Lord, you've called us to be in this place, but not of it. We participate in politics, Lord, but we know ultimately, Lord where our citizenship lies. So help us, Lord, to encourage others with this word today. May it just not be for us. Maybe tomorrow at the break room, maybe we can share a little bit about what we're learning. Maybe this week we can meditate and memorize some scriptures because forget what's going on in the White House. Many of us are struggling with what's going on in our house. So, Lord, I thank you that you're here with us. What an amazing, amazing God we serve. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. And now, for the best children's ministry director in the whole street of Granny White Pike, the best children director on all of Granny White Pike. I mean, in all the world. I'm not listening. <laughs> Felicia, oh, I need. I, you want me up here with you? Okay,
1: Serena. So before we get started with our fun for the afternoon, we wanted to, um, the kids wanted to honor both of you uh, as we wrap up Pastor and First Lady Appreciation Month. So they always talk about how you help them. And they are so grateful for your help. So they wanted to put that in words for you. So we wanted to bless you with some cards and hopefully that can serve as an encouragement when it's not pastor appreciation month we appreciate you every day and every month both of you wow. so thank you they took some time on this they sure things. did wow. yeah did they did um, <laughs> they some of them wrote books y'all y'all have got some writers in the house you just don't know it can we sit down please yes go ahead thank you go <laughs> ahead Okay, all right. So if you are participating, if you have a vehicle in the trunk or treat, um, you're now dismissed to go ahead to the back and start decorating your trunk.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Any door's fine.
1: That's fine. We're so excited. I love standing here and seeing all the bright faces and the excitement going on um, as we transition. Also, um, for us, that we don't have a vehicle in the Trunk or Treat. Um, When I dismiss you, you will go to the fellowship hall to eat your lunch. And then um, I'm going to go ahead and, and dismiss us in prayer. So if you have a car that's participating in Trunk or Treat, you may go to the back parking lot now and begin to decorate it. If you're not decorating a vehicle, keep your seat for just a second and when we dismiss, you may go to the fellowship hall to eat your lunch as we transition. I saw some cheers for lunch out there Um, as we transition with fire trucks, police cars, things like that. So um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. Father God, thank you for this day, Lord, and thank you for this church family. Um, Thank you for all the people that have contributed to this day, Lord, and Thank you for our pastor that's not afraid to get up in the pulpit and preach about the real stuff of the world and show us where it is in the Bible, Lord. We're just so grateful to sit under an honest pastor, a real pastor, Lord. Thank you for the team that's put together today's festivities. Um, I'm grateful for April, Lord, and Sarah Ware and Jen Neal and, um, as we go throughout this day lord keep us safe um may we always know that you're working together for our good lord and maybe maybe uh, may we be good stewards of blending lord i pray all of this in your sweet name amen